Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of my podcast, Heal With The Real. Heal With The Real started back in 2021 because of my journey from domestic abuse and how I went from survivor to thriver. And I wanted to do this podcast so that other survivors can know that there is light at the end of the tunnel and we can heal through our trauma um, and our, my amazing guest today is Wan Abdullah. Um, she has done some incredible things. And I'm going to go over to you, Wan, and just want to introduce yourself. Say a little bit about what, what you've done. And then we'll kind of um, look at maybe how you came to this country and, um, you know, how you're finding it as a refugee. So over to you. Yeah, if you want to introduce yourself. Thank you, Amanda. Hi, everyone. My name is Juan. Um, I have a quite long name, but I would like to uh, be make it as short as a one. Um, I'm originally from Malaysia, and I am mother of eight children. Um, I came uh, to UK uh, last four and a half years ago, uh, seeking for asylum with my ex-partner and with my three years old son that time. So it's kind of like uh, something that I have no idea what is uh, asking for asylum, to be honest, because uh, uh, I, I just uh, follow my ex-partner uh, requ request that time that let's go, let's have uh, a new life as a family together in a new place. So on thought uh, on on the story on that, um I not even realizing that I was struggling with mental health and as well as uh, due to unhealthy relationship. Um, I came to UK uh, with really a broken heart because uh, last five years ago, I have lost uh, one of my son. He was six years old. So I been in, I was in the grief period for quite long, which I not even realize about that. And, um, and also uh, been in the situations of uh, mental health issue is not something that we want to talk about it back in my country because uh, it's something that you want to hide. You don't want anyone to know because as a mother, you always, and especially as a mother who have many children like me, I have to have the image of that I'm strong mother. I capable to do anything because um, uh, of the pressure of the community and the culture itself, which is I realize is is not something uh, okay to be not okay. Uh, it's not normal to, there. So even if you're just passing, walking across the uh, psychiatrist ward or mental health uh, situation, mental health clinics. If someone saw you, they say, oh, "We better watch out. This this lady maybe have." maybe have a crazy mind so that's that's will be automatically labeled by anyone there and as well as to your friends you can't really share because um um i born as a muslim so yeah i i i have a faith on this but it's some kind of like uh is a different definitions 
of being a Muslim back in my country. Uh, we, I say this because when I came to UK, it's kind of different, different perspective. I have a different view of, of being a Muslim. So I even reached to the level with the situation that I had in my country last time that I feel like God is my enemy. I lost faith because all the people that I've been surrounded make me believe that um, I deserve that. I deserve to have a trouble life. I deserve to lose uh, my son because I'm not a good mother. I'm, I'm not a good daughter. I'm not a good Muslim. So all the judgment because of the continuity and the prolonged verbally abuse, psychological abuse back from from early age of uh, childhood that what made me believe so it's kind of like i've been living for almost like i was in the age of uh, 41 when i came to uk so you just imagine how long i've been living in the kind of believing that i'm i'm not a good person i'm not even a good human being you know every time when i woke up i just feel like why why i'm still alive why I have to go through all this thing. I do a lot of things that I believe that I try to make other people happy, but in the end, it's just never enough. It's, it's always, uh, now I can use the terms like a, like a goalpost, the standard of the requirement of these people put on me, it keeps changing, you know? Every time when I reach that level, they will change it. No, I didn't say this and this, whatever. So. Yeah, I, I, I was living there. It, it's in my own land. It's my own where my blood and sweat fall. But I never feel belong to the to the country, among the people. When you, when you say there's a difference between when you were in that country and then you came to the UK, because I'm guessing all those things, those terrible things, you know, losing a child, I just cannot imagine how that must feel for a mother. You know, we, our expectations, um, you know, we live, um, that you know, our children live longer than us. And so I can't imagine what the trauma you must have been going through at losing a child, but also finding yourself in, surrounded by people that were blaming you for the things that had, had happened. So when you came to the UK from that country, what were those differences that you were able to recognize? Um, obviously the people. I love the people that I've been surrounding since, since day one I'm in UK. I, I, I don't want it to make it uh, um, like a general statement about my country. My country is very beautiful, very nice, but this is my personal experience. I talking today on basis of my own experience. I I did not mean any uh, uh, defective or any bad things about my country. This is my personal story. So when I, I, I not lucky, that's what I, I always think that when I was there, because I'm graduate, I'm the first, uh, a child in my family history that went to university. So I put a lot of effort that I come to realize I'm dyslexic. 
when I am in UK, you just imagine I was being in a normal school, but then my family uh, just tell me that I'm a, just a lazy person. I didn't put put uh, the effort to learn like like comparison to other people. You know, it's really hard work for a dyslexic people even to to go through on a daily basis to go to school. You know, uh, I only come to know when I came to UK. You just imagine. So. I, it, when I first came to UK, even even though it's not as per expectations that I wanted to be, because it's come to happen that um, things change immediately when we arrive at the Heathrow, and then I was in an abusive relationship for almost five years. That time, I do a lot of a lot of. Uh, suffering uh what can i say about like physical abuse mentally psychology but it was there it was really not something like my country able to help me uh even though they're very quite development and advanced country if you want to compare to other asian country but when you're living there and you want to access to the services it's not really uh apply uh at least for me I'm, I'm not entitled for many things uh, like like what I have received here in UK is totally different. I, I don't I don't feel the double standard of, of getting the service in the UK uh, because uh, in my country uh, they always have like a certain certain requirement which is uh, only very low people that who can my it, it make me like my education level always become the biggest barrier for me to access the service in my country because it seems like it's only for people who less educations, uh, who less income, you know, so especially mental health. I was working with a very multinational company back in my country, but because I'm struggling with my mental health. So I have to ask, I, I've been asked to resign, you know, it's, it's really unfair. So I left as a single mom with the six children when I met my ex-partner at that time. So it was like pretty much now I can say, I can recognize how the abuse started. Uh, but the the service that I received in UK who helped me to recognize it, which, which is it's really uh, uh, mind blowing for me because I was remember when I was accessing the first uh, course uh, with Women Have Matters called Breast Free Project uh, to over, to help people from the domestic abuse. I It was like, uh, if I'm not mistaken, 24 weeks courses. Uh, and then I just cry, cry and cry, cry, recognizing. But that's the things that they're giving me the opportunity to access this, the, the service without without uh, looking on my background. You know, that that's what I feel because it's different there in my country. You you need to have like low requirement, but here they treat me as fair. That's what I think. Everybody have access. Even I'm the only person I remember who came from asylum background. Others are mostly local, but I I'm glad that I've been uh, accept uh, to 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 find my own healing journey through that. Amazing. Tell me a little bit more about how, so you, how did you escape that five-year abusive relationship? What was the lead up to thinking, right, no more? Um, and was that the lead up to moving to the UK or how did that happen? 
to tell you, Amanda, I never manage. I, I'll never success to escape back in my country. I'm bleeding, been punching, bleed on my face. I went to police station, but the police just asked me to go back, you know, because in my country they have like uh, uh, two different uh, court and a, uh, marriage always been deal in the uh, Sharia court and, and this kind of domestic abuse back in my country, uh, it, it been it been specifically on that uh, law, so it, it, it been five years. I ran, I fled, but I always reconcile, go back, you know, because there's no way for me to escape. He managed to make that there's there's that's his he's a he's a foreigner in my country, but he had the power of money. Uh, my country money is always speak louder. So it's corruption there easily happens. So even I'm local people, but I'm not being hurt. And I didn't get my justice even. Uh, uh, I, I have a son uh, with him, uh, uh, with I came together to, to, to UK, but then I've been separated. He'd been taken away from me since he's born. So um, it's, pretty much a prolonged uh, abuse relationship. But I have, I didn't realize it. I didn't recognize it because because my family really cast me out from from, from the family because uh, they say I deserve that because I'm not being a good daughter. So it, it's something like uh, uh, keep me going back to the darkness. That's what I always call. So uh, been trying to get any help from friends, but then they will get get uh, frustrated with me when when they say i'm weak because i keep going back i'm i'm so in love with this uh, foreigner you know there's one time when i went to the um to the sharia uh, court that they say why are you married to a foreigner at the first place you know that's that's not a word that a, a, a person who need help like me expected to hear you know so it's always like um like a high and high and low situation you know you always you always in the uh, flight mode I, I i i wasn't recognized this flight mode or whatever last time but now i can say this because i i, I i've been i'm learned and i've been exposed to the terms and 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 it's it's recognizing the symptom and the way also have helped me a lot to to overcome the the situation of abuse but that's how I come to know because of the exposed uh, uh, or, or what, can I, what can I say when I came to the UK I, my English is very poor so I, I try to have like going to the group that I can listen to people talk more in English because my vocabulary, my vocabulary is very limited so when I found that as a dyslexic people listen to people talking uh, and try to converse back is much easier, faster than me, rather than go and learn in the college or whatever like that. But then how I, I come to know about domestic abuse, which is I only know that uh, beating or slapping, punching is, is not human, human things. It's not a good way. It's not moral. That's all I know. But it's here, they, they taught me that they said to us that it's abuse. The term is abuse, it's called physical abuse. Because, you know, I've been grow up in the family background that beating is okay. So that's why I think my childhood trauma have a, a pile up in my mind. That's what, what allowed me 
to allow my partner to do that to me because it's okay. It's, it's okay to get beaten because I'm, I'm not good or whatsoever or I'm not up to, to whatever they expect me to do. So I deserve that. Even like I said, I, I even think that God punished me because I deserve that. But anyhow, when I learn about the uh, types of abuse, uh, including physical abuse, psychological abuse, emotional abuse, um, financial abuse, control and coercive behavior, uh, uh, gaslighting, isolations, all these things, you know, it's just something like, oh, wow, is it really, really happened to me? Is this what I've been since I, since I know what world means to me? Because I've been in the childhood abuse that's what I can say as well so abuse is so normal Amanda in my in my culture in my family at least you know so I can't even comprehend I can't even compare whether this is normal and this is not normal so it's really hard but that's why I I, I really work hard at, actually on my healing journey and my healing process because uh, in the first step is to recognize it. It is difficult. It's so difficult. Yeah. It's overwhelmed. <laughs> Something really important that you spoke about was um, your friends saying, oh, you've gone back again. Oh, you've gone back again. And not understanding because this is something that comes up a lot for survivors of domestic abuse. They then stop telling their friends because their friends go, oh, you've gone back to him again, or you've, you're weak, or you're this, or you're that. And I think we need to change that narrative, don't we? That yes. friends shouldn't say that. It, unless you are in that situation of domestic abuse, understanding that cycle of abuse that we keep repeating that same pattern is hard from somebody looking from the outside in. But as a survivor, it's that trauma bond of us keeping on going back because we don't understand that psychological, that emotional, all those um, different abuses that you mentioned, you know, we don't understand that. So we're just going back in that cycle constantly. And I think you've got to learn, you've got to know about all the different types of abuse and, and, go on that learning journey yourself like you say at 41 you find yourself actually right this is my healing journey I'm starting to find myself I'm starting to understand why my behaviors have been the way I am and you know and and a lot of the time like you say it is family abuse it can start from the family home very early on it can start from the tiniest of traumas, but whereas for you, it was, I guess, quite a big trauma growing up in a family that abuse was okay, you know. Um, but I'm so pleased that you started that journey and you now recognise that actually it isn't okay and it is stemming from my family. And, and, and I think that's the way that we can break that cycle going forward. Yeah, you see, right, Amanda, and interestingly about the trauma bonding, it's always when for someone who have no knowledge about trauma bonding, it's always like feel like you fall in love. 
it's it's really like feel like this is the connections soul connections this is my soul made he make me feel butterfly in my stomach you know it feels so good and then when when he's gone i miss him so badly you know i even one one once not once many times i crawling on the floor because i longing to 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 be with him but because of the but of the because of understanding or recognizing that this is a trauma bonding i all, all i managed to overcome it because i know this is a trauma but after for long years i live in the believing that this is love and you know i don't blame any woman who been or still in the in the abuse relationship or toxic relationship now because it's so right you you feel the the bonding it's it's just like so much strong which your parent even your your you don't have a blood tie but you're so bonding together but this is what the what the hormones cortisol level stressful level have made you the good part that i even reach to the level of understanding with my own understanding that this is as this is a scientifically proved that how a trauma bonding can cause us uh, as much as same like people are addicted to heroin to drug to alcohol so you can just imagine for i don't drink i don't drink alcohol i don't do drug all this thing but i can now relate because i saw i've seen people who got drug addicted I seen people who got addicted with alcohol. I know how bad they can be and that's why I I say when I was crawling on the floor screaming with a voice because it's so painful, you know, it's so painful and I just feel like he's the only antidote remedy that I need, the medicine for me, you know? But I keep also ha- I also have another voices or fighting in my mind that time remember what he did after this after this honeymoon period after the reconciliation how long i always like having a conversation in my in, with myself that let's see i even have some indi- indicator i have my i make it my own standard of rec- of a level that how long two days two three days two weeks how long he will remain okay and it is always not um, not i'm making uh, assumptions but it's just like a pattern that i come to see the statistic is always hits maximum he can be nice to me is like uh two months that is max and after that we start again and then i the uh, the things that i have to been through over and over again is much more painful yeah i, I took the biggest step the most brave things that i sh- i feel proud of myself today is to have a courage to say no more yeah. i have enough because i could not take it anymore i have lost my my age i have lost my energy i have lost my children i can be very emotional now but i have lost everything for this man the man that i consider love of my life and i never been in love so much before he he the best man ever and the the things that the only truth that i told myself today is my feeling towards him he never he, he not him not from his side so i keep reminding myself even 
my casework uh, from uh, uh, behind a closed door and, and a woman have matters, they always like one, write it down. And or, or sometimes they just print out a sticker, put everywhere that I can see. Uh, I'm strong, I'm enough, you know, all these affirmations, affirmative words to help me to remember. And the most thing that I always feel the pain, I could not take it, the pain anymore. It's not worth. I, I you know, one thing that who really changed me is when I got pregnant to my son, uh, my last son. No, I hope it's last. <laughs> that, that through him, I channel out all the love, all the pain, all the energy, whatever I had through him. And when I have him, I managed to put a distraction in order for me to um, replace the bad memory and the pain. You know what I did? Every time I look into him, I use the five sense of the senses that I have. I use my eyes to look into his face. I smell him. I kiss him. I touch him. I hug him. It's really, really a good therapy for me. For a person who be diagnosed with post-traumatic stress disorder like me, sometimes we feel like it's hard to do. But we don't know that the things that can help us is only between our eyes just in front of us. So my son have become the biggest therapy for me. Every time he smile, I hear he giggling. Oh my God, he's just replacing everything, you know? I say, I love you so much. And he, he don't, you know, sometimes the look that I want, I'm looking for the true love, unconditional love that I ask God to, to give to me is through him. I might be not having the best man for myself, but I have the opportunity to, to, to create or to nurture a best man in the future. You know, that's what I'm determined to do because I know how it feels the pain for a woman who broken, so seems small like me, who hungry for love, is the only things that I can get it is from, from my own, from my, from my own blood. I carry him for nine months. I, I put the effort, the pain, all the labor pain, all the struggle, but it's worth. It's never regret. But it's not easy. I can't do it by myself. I, I realized one thing is too obvious to not to mention this today. I receive a lot of support here in UK. And I think UK is the best country who have a mental health a perinatal mental health uh, uh, services who can really help people. That's what makes me determined also now, Amanda, to help others. I'm giving back whatever I have received from all the service, services that I re uh, received last four and a half years ago. Whoever I am today is because of the support that I'm, I don't do it by myself because I tried in my country. I do it by myself. I'm, I'm not success, I'm fail, but here, with, with the determinations, with the willingness. Sometimes you don't have to have a big uh, action that you want. Just have a small, small voice. I want to out from this, you know? But if you meet with the right services and one thing, you allow, you allow yourself to receive the help. 
because these people would not know that you need help. Yeah. I I I believe that if you suffering behind the door, behind the closed door, in the darkness or whatsoever, please find something or organization that you feel you comfortable enough. And I think most of the services that I engage with very descriptive and very private you know they very care about your safeguarding all this thing and and you are safe here even even worst case scenario the police here also very helpful can i ask one um you mentioned when you were 41 and you started your healing journey. What were the, some of the things? Because you say um, your son is somebody that gives you that love. What about self-love? How do you practice self-love? You know, it's really the most difficult thing, Amanda. I, I have to say that. And I think many people agree with me. You can do... You can give, you can uh, do love, care for people very well but in order to love yourself that the most thing that you don't know how to do even so it's kind of like I start with with uh, start to forgive myself because that was the first lesson that I I got it from my perinatal mental health team my care coordinator always said that it's okay one what what will you need in order for you to move on I say I have I had done so many bad things. Okay, okay, it's a past. So what you should do now? And then I say, I think I, I have to start with forgiving myself. Whatever whatever um, bad thing I thought in, I, that I have in my mind, whether I'm lousy, I'm lazy, or I'm bad, I'm ugly or whatsoever, I accept it. I accept and I forgive myself. For, for being silly, for, for not being uh, understandable, for allowing all these things. First thing is forgive yourself. Once you have forgive yourself, then you can start on the next step. Because it's hard, it's hard because when you keep questioning, because the, the, the biggest voice in your mind is we'll keep, at, we'll keep triggering you or we keep suggesting, sabotaging you. And then if you say, well, I forgive already. So let it go. I, I have the conversation all the time with myself and I don't even care whether people think I'm crazy, but who, who is your best friend? Me. <laughs> I make yeah. myself as my BFF, my best, very best friend. So when I make it like, um, uh, like I don't know what the English word, like uh, you change the words, the sentence, you become I. I am enough. If I'm telling to my friend, what, what would be the best word that I want to tell to my friend? I would say, you are enough. So I change it to, I am enough. So I'm looking myself in the mirror and I say, I am enough. Or even if I can't even change it, I look, you are enough. We just, I look to myself in the mirror. And it's not, it's not really a one day work. Uh, I have LDVS case worker also last time. He, she always say, okay, one, if you... Uh, think that you cannot do it for three days let's break it more small do it for one hour or you, if you still cannot do the one hour well, let's do it for 10 minutes because I cannot stop thinking about him you know when when I was in the uh, no contact period and then she was telling me okay well if 10 minutes also you cannot do can you do just five minutes and she make it more easier when it's come to one minute <laughs> 
I even I even up to the level I was telling, okay, um, the, I uh, this lady called Karen. I mean, okay, Karen, I I managed to not talk, not thinking about him for two seconds. That's good one. It's so hard. I think when you have suddenly split from this person that you've got this trauma bond with, the contact part is one of the hardest things to do, I think, you know, get, yeah. and, but so important, you know, con getting blocking all the social media channels, all your phones, any contact with that person and then not being able to go back and have a sneaky, sneaky look just to see. Because then you're just traumatising yourself again. And it's so yeah. hard, isn't it, that part? But the no contact is such good advice. And I love the fact that, you you know, you do the positive affirmations in the mirror. That's something that I do and I still do. And I think, like you said, the healing is ongoing. It's never stops. Yes. It is ongoing throughout our lives. We just know, we just need need to know, should I say, what those triggers are and when they come up, what tools can we use? What can we get out of our tool belt to go, actually, I'm not feeling this today. Um, okay, just take five minutes, you know, and, and I love the fact that they break down those steps into tiny steps because... They're achievable then, aren't they? And you yes. don't feel like you're a failure. And even if you're just taking that tiny step every single day, that tiny step's going to get bigger and exactly. you're going to progress and you're going to have this huge tool belt with all these things that you can go, right, I'm going to use that today to make me feel better or I'm going to use this today. What are some of those tools in your tool belt? as well as positive affirmations? Well, I'm also learning about boundaries, which is I'm still learning anyhow, but um, it's something that uh, it's really boosts up my self-confidence, to be honest, when you start to have boundaries, because it's not only make you realize that you don't need an additional stress from people because everybody have their own rubbish or, or luggage, what they want. Yeah. They want somewhere part of my language but I have enough of myself so that's how I start to create some boundaries in my mind uh my my care coordinator used to teach me how to create a safety room in my mind so it was really hard from the beginning but then after that she uh, I start to get used to it because sometimes you have to keep continuing doing to make it a habit and then now it's become much easier. So every time when I feel overwhelmed, I feel low, or I feel like I've been bullied, I've been, I'm not being hurt. So I just pause and I take a deep breath and then I just be in that room. So it's my space. Um, even though I can do, I can be everywhere. I also learned a technique like breathing technique using the five fingers. So I do like this, breathe, release, breathe release so even I was in the bus stop or anything when I because I do have anxiety and panic attack as well so it's really breathing techniques but because I need to feel something so that's why I like to use my fingers to to do like it so it, it's distract my mind so when I'm yeah. doing it yeah so people just didn't didn't bother you anyhow but that's how I feel relaxed because it, it do like sometimes when you you struggle with anxiety, you do feel like oh what people if people see 
like this, you know, you just concern too much about what people say. You you being your your biggest uh judgment judge, <laughs> but actually when you you in your space uh safety space, you don't really care about that anymore. Even I I my my son now he's three years old, so he's he's very very active, and uh, I enjoy it very much. But sometimes I even manage when when to to remain calm, whatever whatever situation that he he put me through. But I just like okay, I'm enjoying, embrace it, you know, because one thing that I learned from the loss of my son, I think everybody who haven't been through loss, they will start to embrace the life, the living, you know, so for me, it's it's opportunity, because in now I, I also disconnected from my other children, so uh, I learned to to let go of something that would beyond my control. There is a time that my doctor my, was telling me that do like this and reach out. So this is my reach out, the circle. So my okay. son is always my son is always near me. So he's the one I can reach now. So I need to focus on that. So anything beyond my, my hand range. So that is what I need to focus. It's not easy. But as I say, because I've been in the service uh, uh, for quite some time and I'm very lucky I met with the amazing, brilliant people who keep supporting me. So that's why I managed to do all this, all this thing now it, on top of still the other challenges like, uh, for example, from the police side, from the government, you know, sometimes the, you want to make some change but you need to make your voice heard. That's what I've been doing now. I'm, I refuse to be victim of my situations because I'm still asylum seeker. My status limit me a lot of things, but I'm a survivor now. That's what I, I'm busy striving to, to be the best version of myself. And what makes me happy is make other people happy. When I can... I can see people smile, you know, because most of volunteer things that I do, I'm not even get payment, you know. So what I need, I need to see, you know, because when I see those happy face, it's just like a multivitamin for me. And to know that there's many women who struggle and, you know, my life experience have made me expert how to talk with those people uh, who really have uh, issues same like me last from few years ago, because it's not easy when you're in a foreign country. You you tend to look to people who like same same look like you, same uh, 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 cultural background. Then only you can be so open. So that's why I take the opportunity to get closer to them. But I do it in my way, uh, like Francina Trasse. I do it my way. Uh, very, I'm very uh, limited still with the vocabulary from my English, but I'm using always the simple English. So when I see, when I share, like I showing the fingers, you know, for me, um, anything is just like nurturing a, a a child. I'm a mother. I'm 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 a best mother. So what I'm doing best is nurturing. So I think patience, a lot of patience and determinations resilience that I had. Um, I used to call myself as a phoenix because, you know, 
I've been dyed many, many times and turned to ashes. But Phoenix is all, always rise back from the ashes as well. So that's always be, Phoenix always rise up with the best version, the best version of them, the bigger wing. That. Yeah, the bigger yeah, wing. I, I love that. <laughs> I love all the things that you're putting into place now. Boundaries are super important, aren't they? With with everybody to put in boundaries and being able to learn to say the no word because we are people pleasers. We're typically people pleasers. Like you say, doing things for other people makes us happy, but we can't do those things for other people till we filled our own cup first. And I think that's the most important thing. You started telling me about the things that you're doing here in Leeds. Tell me about some of the things that you, because you've achieved some amazing things already, haven't you? Tell me about some of those things. Well, thanks to all the support that I receive. It's 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 about time, I think, for me to glow and shine. I, I consider myself as a star now uh, who try to uh, give my light, uh, my shining light to everyone that within my circle with like what I can reach out. Because uh, I know that the, the words like what you was mentioned, people pleaser is, is not something a good behavior, but I, I start to recognize myself because the, the always question that I ask myself, what make me happy? So I feel happy when I see people happy. Yeah. That, is, that is my terms. So yeah. what, what, make, what make people happy is even, you know, you put your ear to listen to their story. You know, even just pick up the phone, hi, say hi. You know, even just say smile, smiley face. It's not a big deal even to do to make people happy. But sometimes we don't know people have the bad day, but when they see you smiling, I always, my, my ex used to call me as a charity face because I don't know, people always uh, attracted to me. Even I, uh, but I consider it now as an advantage. If I got the, the charity face, the influence face that people like to be with me, why don't I use, use it? Because I don't harm people. I didn't mean harm to anyone. I just, I just want to be socialized, be comfort to others. That's why how I found a uh, few activities that really become my my passion now. Uh, one of it, like last uh, last June, I had uh, created a group of uh, asylum and refugees uh, who I realized that they have many skill and talents, which 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 uh, match with the current situations of the government now is trying to paint the image of asylum and refugees or immigrant in this country on the bad image or taking tax money or whatsoever. I don't want to go further on this thing. But obviously, everywhere I go when I join the group, I keep seeing skillful people uh, who even have a very good profession back in their country, doctors, lawyers, um, nurses, midwife, you know, they are all skillful and some more they have a nice voice. They can sing, they can dance, they can write a poem. And then I say, why don't I have a group that, that I can help these people to keep their busy? Because 
when you're stuck in the asylum system for a long time of period, living in the limbo, uncertainty, which is honestly, I can tell you, like you don't know when you're going to be deported with the limited of money. I always say like the checklist of the abusive <laughs> is really matched to whatever happened to us now. So I just want them to feel value because I think everybody loves to feel value and some more um, to, to showcase. I don't know whether it's appropriate words or not. To, to let other people in the UK to see that these people are skillful and talented, not just coming here to take your tax money as the proclaim, but we are very skillful and we want to contribute to the community. We want to contribute to the economy. Who want to live with a 40 pound per week? Per week, okay? It's a per week, 40 pounds per week and stuck in the house, which cannot do anything. You just imagine if you come to the UK with a, a health, mental health, but if you're living in this kind of situation, you will fall deep, deeply into mental health situations. So I feel like helping these people, you know, especially when they sing, you have to project your voice it's just kind of therapy, you know? Even I, I do have like a, a practice uh, training every Monday with all this talent. Uh, I, I managed to get some funding for the bus, bus uh, fare because, you know, we, most of us cannot afford the travel expenses. So it, it, when they came, some of them can play guitar, can play drum. Some of them can really write a good poetry, make everybody cry. You know, because I realized also people in UK, they love to listen to the story, but what platform they, they can do. And I think like you, like me, we've been workaholic so much. So why entertainment business? It, it, because I wanted everybody win-win situation, local or uh, refugees or, or immigrant, we meet at one point, entertainment. Everybody looking for a break, for a pause. So that's why I have this. Last time it been known like Leeds Asylum and Refugee Got Talent, but now I change it because my talent white spreadly. So uh, uh, I changed it to Britain's, Britain's, Britain's Century Got Talents. <laughs> okay. Tell me a little bit as well. You've won awards. You've won an award for your football team. Oh, yes. That's another. Tell us episode. a little bit about that. Um, we've got about five minutes left of the podcast. So if you want to oh. tell us a little bit about that, that'd be oh, amazing. We can, we can do it for the whole day this, Amanda. <laughs> <laughs> but last March, actually, I've been playing a football. Last time when I know about this, last two years ago, when my son, like uh, five months old that time, I was looking for some kind of activity who uh, uh, suit me. Because as asylum seeker, I financially struggling with bus and childcare, I'm not entitled. So when I saw the leaflet uh, from Holbeck Mall Football Club that time, they're just about to start. They said they offer crash, childcare, and they giving the bus fare and they give the free gear, sport bra, uh, football, football shoes and relate to that because, you know, my doctor was saying, was, was, uh, told me that for people who've been uh, struggle with trauma, it's really good to try something uh, that they, they never tried before. It's just like to replace the bad memories with the new memories. So when I saw the leaflet about football, Amanda, I never kick a boy my whole life. You know, <laughs> I was 
I was 42 years old. I, I 42 or 43, I forgot now my age. So I was like, let's have a try. But I, because I'm so anxious, I never been there. So I managed to persuade another mothers who who been pregnant with me and have baby as well to go with me. So when I we went there, the first thing that all of us look at the ball, we just look to each other. And then the coach was telling, try to kick the ball. And then I said, okay. And then I tried to kick the ball. It's looked like so easy to kick a ball when you keep seeing people kicking, you know. But I just <laughs> sliding down on the grass and everybody was laughing. And then I just stand up and I say, okay, now you try to kick the ball. And they kick the ball as well and they're sliding. And the first session went with full of laugh. Last two years ago, it started with a laugh. And last March, we got recognition from City of Century UK to be the very first woman football club who received Football of Century. The yeah. two years hard work, the, the unprofessional who never kick a ball is worth. And it's really one hour session that we had to have a break, uh, to laugh, you know, even with the language barrier, we still can kick the ball left, showing this, 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 no need the language. It yeah. was really, really, really legendary. It's, we have marked our history, actually, on this point. <laughs> Well done, well done, congratulations. Thank you, Wan, so much for coming on this podcast. What three things, before we go, what three things would you change for survivors of um, asylum seekers so that they can get better support? What three things would you say would come to your mind? Okay, because I'm also an ambassador for the Voices Network UK. I really relate to this voice because I think for a victim, in order to be a survivor, you need to learn how to voice it up. You might be not finding through your own voice, but like looking around for people like me who are willing to bring forward your voice, it's, it's become my passion now because I think I want to be the, the loudest voice to all the women and girls who've been suffering in the violence, abuse, you know, from any situations, not only from romantic relationship, from the family relationship. I want them to look at me and recognize me. I'm the strength. I'm the result of finding the courage to voice out. And if you cannot do it, reach out. Reach out for the services that are available in your local area. Reach out to, to anyone that you feel comfortable with. Because in Leeds itself, we have so many organizations and charity who, who really kind and serious want to help people like us. But if we did not find a way, if we did not try to let the small, tiny little voice out from ourselves, these people would not know. And let's together, we voice out to fight against violence and abuse in this difficult time, actually. But to make a change, we have to unite. 
to become the big voice so we'll be heard. Absolutely, I absolutely agree. Um, just before we go, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Fix Your Future. Fix Your Future was my memoir of my journey from survival, from domestic abuse and how I went on to thrive. And in the back of there are a lot of the self-help techniques that I personally use and still use to this day. Um, so, yeah, just a little bit about that. I just want to thank you so much for all the work that you're doing, the incredible work. And yeah, you're so right. We need to just be one voice. And the louder that we can get with that one voice, the more support we'll see and the more changes we can keep making. Wan, thank you so, so much for being a guest on Heal With The Real. You've been amazing. What's next for you now? What's thank next? You. What's the next thing? <laughs> Next thing for me is if I if I'm allowed to say this, Amanda, I'm organizing at We Dare to Dream films uh, on 16th of December in Hyderabad Cinema. It's very inspiring. It's how Rafudi's Olymp Olympic team went to the Olympic, and I think it's really inspiring to all of people in all around UK. It's from the producer Wahad Al Khatib. Uh, from it's where I wanted to. Uh, let's come together and meet, meet up there and we can we can uh, discover a lot of more from from working together uh Rafuji and uk people they are all in my heart they are all uh what what people always say if you can't be anything that you want to be just try to be kind uh, yeah <laughs> i love that i love that closing sentiment so 16th of december Yes. Park Picture Park Cinema. Right. Yeah. Amazing. The last thing just before we go, um, I'm doing an empowerment through entrepreneurship program and it's there's a free workshop on the 4th of December. So if you follow the link to my website, you can find that on my socials. And if that's something that you're wanting to do. Um, set up a business and you've been through domestic abuse and that course is for you so do come and find us but thank you so much Wam. Thank you Amanda. Thank you for everybody watching. <laughs>